people to come to the Lord, and they do it in a young age. Because the Bible tells us that the older you get, and there's so many, so many words and so many scriptures, the older you get, the more difficult it is for that to happen for you. So whenever we're able to expose our children to Jesus Christ and they're raised up in the way that they need to, the wise man Solomon made it very clear. He says that you show them the word of God, you teach them. It says raise them up in the, raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. When they get old, the Bible tells us, they're not going to forget about it. They're not going to forget about it. It says they don't depart from it. And I believe that whenever you're able to plant the gospel of Jesus into the heart of a child, it's planted there. It just needs a little bit of light, some sunshine, a little bit of watering for some, from some parents, for, from a village of people, a church, so to speak, to where that can just grow and be rooted in their heart and in their soul. Amen. Guys, today we're going to be in the book of Galatians. If you have your Bibles there, I'd like for you to turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Galatians, and we're going to move right on into uh, our study. Without me trying to give you the introduction of what's been happening, I will uh, let technology do that for me, and you can go to Facebook or go to YouTube and uh, look at all those out there, uh, all the messages. I really encourage you to go back, uh, because if you will go back and, and listen to some of these messages again, it will open up uh, bigger truths to you, and it will help you if you'll do it over and over again. If there are some of you here that don't have access to the technology side of things as far as the internet goes, we do have uh, all of these on DVD or CD. If you'd like to get those, we can have those made for you. You just need to let the guys in the sound booth know so that they can get that ready for you, and, uh, and they'll, they'll give them to you on DVDs and on uh, CDs. Okay, so and here we are in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse number 26. The title of the message this morning is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Now, I know there's so many of you that think I am a genius for coming up with something like that, but I didn't. I stole it, and, and I'm, I'm really good at hijacking things. Whenever I see somebody that's done something, I say, boy, that's cool, and that will preach, and I'll make y'all think I did it. And no, but I didn't. This is actually a song uh, that was uh, recorded by a group. I believe the name of the group is called uh, the Blue Highway. I think was the name of the group. It's an old song. And I, I may have that wrong. I might. It may come to me later in the message. But uh, so before I get any emails and letters about uh, plagiarism or anything like that, you know. But it's what a thought. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male, no female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Paul is doing his best here to straighten out the misguided Galatians. Rather than staying on God's grace way, they've decided that they can follow through a, 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 a line of life or a, a, a stage of life to where they can be rule followers instead of following the grace way of God. There's an old understanding throughout humanity, uh, the, hu the history of humanity, that implies that rules are only given to be broken. And I said that to a guy, he said, you know, I never always broke all the rules, but he would agree that rules were given to be bent. And that's pretty much the way that it is. And whenever I was thinking about that, I came across a story of this big, nice resort that's out on a lake. And this is a true story. And this, this lake is 
positioned right on, a, on, on the edge of a, a huge, beautiful lake where there's a lot of fishing that goes on. And these balconies go up floors and floors and floors and floors. It's just high. And the, the people that would come and stay, the guests, they had this great idea that they would get up on their balcony and they would fish off the balcony because it was close enough to the water to where they could throw their lines out and it would get right down there uh, in the lake and they could catch fish right off of their balcony. I mean, who wouldn't do that? I mean, I, I love that. Let's fire up the barbecue and kick back and cast a line, right? I mean, you all, you all understand what I'm talking about. But the people 10 stories up, they wanted to do the same thing. But they don't have a lot of sense about knowing that uh, in, in geometry and just math mathematics, you know, there might not be enough line on your pole to reach out there where you're throwing it to. And so they would cast that rod out there, but there wasn't enough line on the reel. And those big, huge sinkers that they had tied to the end of that line would come back and it would bust the windows in the edge of that resort. It broke the windows. Now you have to understand that these window panes are, are fairly small, maybe at the most, probably a And it's $600 to replace one of them. They can afford it, right? Even if they can't afford it, they don't want to afford it. So after replacing several $600 window panes, the owner, the manager of this place, he's to come, he came up with this genius idea to stop the, the guests from busting out their window panes. Guess what he did? They went up on the balcony, and they took four screws out of a sign that says, no fishing from the balcony. Took the sign off, and they quit fishing. Sign's been there the whole time. No fishing from the balcony. You take the sign off, they don't want to fish from the balcony anymore. They didn't tell the people not to. They just didn't give them the option to break the rule. Now, you think about that, and you think about how that humanity revolves around that idea. You have rules in front of them. You set those rules up there. You give them to them. And it's almost like whenever they are there in sight, in vision, to where they can touch them, we've got to break it. We've got to break it. The Ten Commandments were that set of rules. And whenever they saw those rules, it was almost like a, a reminder, this flashing light that would say, hey, here I am. I am here to be broken. I'm here to be broken. But God knew that even if they wanted to try to keep all the rules and regulations that they had, because of their sinfulness, because of their carnality, they were going to fall into the trap of sin. And this would be a repetitive cycle over and over and over again. You see, they would have the law. They knew what they were supposed to do according to the law. So they would try. They would sin. God would forgive them. And then they would repeat the cycle. It was a cycle that went on and on and on and on again. Now, there are these people that are coming into, uh, into Paul's camp here at Galatia. It's a church that Paul has set up, and he was, the, he was the, the founder of this church and many of the churches in the New Testament. And they come along here, and they're saying, no, the, the grace of God is not enough to save you. The faith that you have in who Jesus Christ is, that's not enough to save you. There are some things that you have to do. And so they flipped their book back to the book of Leviticus and they started going through all the rules and regulations that God had given them. Ceremonial cleansings, all of the, uh, the different other ceremonial ceremonies they were supposed to go through, the rituals that they were supposed to keep, the festivals that they were supposed to have. All of these things, as the Bible says, keep it to the dot and tittle. In other words, cross every T and dot every I in our language today. But they had a hard time doing all that. 
And the, and the Judaizers, these people that were coming in, these false prophets, these people that had a different gospel, they were coming in, they were saying that your faith in Jesus Christ and the grace of God is not enough to save you. You have to do X, Y, and Z. You got to do all these things. And Paul comes in and says, nope, that's not the truth, guys. That's not the way things are supposed to be. There is a better way. There's a better way. And don't we live in a world today where, where we live in this, this religious world, this religious uh, stirring pot, this churn to where there's always seems like there's somebody in control of how fast the butter's churned or how slow it's supposed to be churned, what's supposed to be done, what's not supposed to be done. You've got people in the church that want to give rules. You've got people that are considered priests or pastors or whoever they are who are the heads of certain religious organizations and even regular churches just like what you have here. But yet they want to put their words into such language that makes you believe that it is a revelation from God. Actually, I want you to read this scripture with me here in the book of Matthew 15 and verse 9. It says, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And this is what's happening in our world today. They begin to try to tell you things, these, these commandments that they have come up with, doctrines of men, these commandments of men, and turning them into a doctrine. Now, have you ever been around a group of people who want to make up the rules they go? And it seems like while you're playing this game, the rules always shift into their favor. You ever been on, you ever been in one, a lot of times when my, when my kids and my wife play uh, games with me, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm a cheater. <laughs> I can't lie to you. I'm a cheater. I've had, uh, I've had somebody tell me before, I'm not going to call her name, but Jody said it. She said that, she said, you know, I don't believe you until you're preaching. She said, I just can't trust you until you're preaching. And I told her, I said, it might be a good idea. But I am. I, if we're playing Uno, you know, Uno means what? One, you put one card down at a time, but I'm good at putting about four of them down. I've gotten to part, to, and I can always go out about on the third or fourth round. It, there's no way, you know, you got seven cards. You're supposed to go at least seven rounds. And I'll go, and they're like, how did you do that? I don't know. Game's just, it's just happening. So they say, I don't, I, I can't prove that you cheated. But we know you did, but they can't prove it. So I'm not the only one that cheats. I'm, no, no, no reason. But this, this is, this is, you've made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> Do what? I get it from my daddy. But you see, guys, when we are, when we are in this, in this situation, I'm going to look at my notes to make sure I'm back on, on track. I have, I have gotten, the, aren't y'all glad that I'm not a robot? I'm not programmed. Yes. Making up rules as you go. I have been known to do some of those things and they would shift into my favor. But this is what the Galatian church was. And this was the Judaizers at that time. They were a group of people that wanted to make up the rules as they went along. Now, God didn't intend for His people to be in bondage. He didn't mean for them to be enslaved. And actually, if you look at the history of what God done, God sent Moses to Egypt to do what to the people? To free them. And then whenever they were in the wilderness and they began to fight against their enemies, did God fight for them? He fought for them. The Bible actually says 
them. The, the Red Sea was split, and whenever the enemy came in, he closed it and he destroyed them. It says that he went before them with a pillar uh, of fire, and, and he used a, a pillar of cloud. And the Bible says that whenever Pharaoh and his enemies, or whoever else, it, uh, all their enemies, that he would take that pillar and put it between the two groups so that they could not reach God's people. He protected them. In other words, he wanted them free. And this is what Paul is trying to ring true and bring home to these people in Galatia, that God does not want you to be in bondage to religious duties and all these other things. Religion is fine if it does not define you. Religion is okay if it does not define you. Religion is not taught in Jesus' book. A relationship with Him is what's taught. And there is a big difference. And, and I hope that you don't get stuck into this religious thing to where you think that you should religiously go to church, religiously pay tithes, religiously work in the church, or whatever it is that you do religiously, and that's what's going to make you okay with God. Because it is not. You can come to church here or anywhere else that you want to go. That is not what's going to save you. That is not what's going to get you to heaven. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you don't have faith in Him, and if you do not believe that He is who He says he is and that he can do what he says that he can do you will not be saved that's what the bible teaches us you see galatians 3 26 it says 26 it says for in christ jesus you are all sons of god through faith you are sons of god through faith that you have in jesus christ the message has not changed guys all the way through galatians as we've been teaching here the message has not changed and paul continues to point out this truth to the sidetrack galatians you are not accepted into the family of god because of your works because of your status because of your ethnicity you are accepted into the family of god because and only because you have faith in jesus christ and if you have faith in jesus christ you can be saved faithful we went over what faithfulness means last week. When we think about faithfulness today in our world, we think about our spouse being faithful to us. And whenever they're not faithful, does it hurt? You know, I, I've never met a guy that, that shouted and said, yes, I want my wife to cheat on me. Man, I hope she does that today. A woman that says, boy, I hope my husband goes down the road and sleeps with the neighbor. No, we want faithfulness. We want someone who will desire us for who we are, who is constant, who is loyal, who is steadfast, because they love us. And that's all that God's asking from you, is that you'll be faithful to Him. The Bible tells us that the church, in, Re in the book of Revelations, it says that she has become the whore. The one that gives herself away. She's supposed to be the bride of Christ, but she continues to give herself away to other gods. Money, prestige, power, all of these other things she keeps giving herself away. I just ask today, is that who you are? Or are you faithful to God? You can't give yourself away to everything that comes along and still have God, Jesus Christ as your Lord. It doesn't happen that way. You see, guys, here, Paul comes down. It says, it talks about those who are living under the grace of God. 
and it talks about baptism, and it, it, it comes on down, and Paul brings up this baptism, and he talks about how important that baptism is because baptism was an outward identity of oneself with Christ. But for the Jews, it was a little bit different. You see, it was a way of initiating converts. And we've talked about initiation before. People go to college, they're initiated into a, a fraternity or something like that. But it was another way for the Gentiles as they were accepted with Jesus Christ. Baptism brought the Gentile into the family of God. For the Jew, it brought them into the family of the Jews. But for the Gentile that believed in Jesus Christ, it brought them into the family of God. For people who were living under the grace of God, baptism was not a means of salvation. However, in the world that we live in today, there are people, there are religions that will tell you that only salvation is going to come into your life after you have been baptized, after you have been sprinkled, after whatever it is other than having faith and believing in Jesus Christ. This is not biblical. It is not the teachings of the Word of God. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, turn there with me if you will. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? For we buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism. It was a symbol it was an outward expression of what's already happened in the heart of the believer. Now, I do not teach, nor do I believe that baptism saves you. I've said before that if, if baptism, if I believe that baptism saves uh, any, any one of those, those young ladies that were baptized today, I would have baptized them a long way before now. I wouldn't have waited on them to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and come to me on their own free will and say, Brother Joy, uh, you know, I, I think I'm ready for this. And I question them and help confirm them. And whenever they're at that place able to answer, whenever they're able to believe and their parents are able to, to, to get to that place too and they understand that, then they're ready for baptism when they believe that. But guys, I'm here to tell you now that if I thought baptism saved you, I'd baptize all of you on a regular basis. Let's just be honest. If it does, why don't we just keep doing it to make sure? It's so easy to do. Let's just run a bottle, a tub of water and just, and I know there's more to it. And people that believe that, they believe that it's, they don't think that it's that, they don't think that it's that, that, that characteristic at all. But guys, what I'm here to tell you is that if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have not followed through with public baptism, you're commanded in the Word of God to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And you need to be publicly baptized. We've got hot water up here already. It might be your time today. I didn't know that all this was going to happen the way that it did, but God just orchestrates things in a way that I don't know how. I can't do it. But if you've accepted Christ into your life, follow through with baptism just as Jesus Christ did. Follow through with it. But the Galatians were being told that baptism is what brings you into the family. And Paul had this idea because he went all the way back to a guy named John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist, if you go back and read, the Bible says that he came preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. 
He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, a word that they had never heard before. But repent, repent means what? That if I'm headed to the east, I need to turn around and start walking to the west. Repent means to turn completely away from what you're doing and go the opposite direction. He says, repent of the way you're doing things. And so these Galatians were hearing this, and they, they said, man, I need some of that. Now remember, the Jews were using baptism as a way of initiation into their group, into their Christian group. But Paul comes along and he says, okay, I understand that they already know what this means, so I will take them down into the Jordan River, and I will baptize them. I will put them under the water, and they are baptized with Christ. They will go down dead, but they will rise in the newness of of Jesus Christ. And it was not that they were saved because of that action. It was saved because of what Jesus Christ had already done for them, and they had accepted what Jesus did. And it was this baptism that this person was going through was not necessarily for them. It was for all the people who were watching them. Because those people, they stood around and they said, hey, this person is serious about what they're doing. They are going down into the water as Christ did, and they are coming up out of the water as Christ did and as Jesus Christ went into the grave dead he rose again or bad days later in newness of life and that is what we do when we are baptized those girls that went in there didn't change anything about them other than they were soaking wet when they came up it was what happened to them before they were baptized that made the change and that's what happens when you give your heart to Jesus if you don't recognize his death and his resurrection, you will not accept him as your Lord and Savior. And baptism does nothing for you than make you wet. It has to be a change in your heart. Now guys, I know that we can follow the rules if we want to. And you can obey the rules if you would like to. And I think it's a good idea. I, I think rules and laws are pretty good. How many of you... Follow the the laws of the of the highway and the street just because they're there. No, you don't. You don't follow those rules just because they're there. I drove home from Mountain View, Arkansas yesterday. I looked down. I looked at the speed limit, and that thing was it said seventy mile. It said speed limit. Do you know what the word limit means? This is as far as you go. This is the ceiling, and I looked down at that tack, and I was doing eighty five, and felt good. And I didn't slow down because the guy in front of me was doing that. And we, we made record time. How many of you guys ever punch in your Google Maps and it says that you will arrive in four hours and 52 minutes? You say, I accept the challenge. I think I can shave about 15 off of it. Anybody like that? I know maybe, oh, it's women too. It's not just guys. We all do it. You don't follow the rules just because they're there. You follow the rules, hopefully, because you want to remain safe. And that's why those laws were put there. Stop signs, red lights, all of those things were put there so that you can safely arrive home to your family again. So that there can be order and so that you will be protected. And God brought those Ten Commandments not to put bondage in a ball and chain on this people, but to give them protection. To say, don't do this because if you do, this bad thing is going to happen to you. So if you speed like you pastor, and I'm not recommending it, but if you speed, you are more likely to be in danger, right? The Jewish men of those days back in the day, maybe even some even today, this is, this is known a prayer that they would pray in the mornings when they would get up. They would say, Lord, thank you that I am not a Gentile, that I am not a slave, 
and that I am not a woman. I'll repeat that in just case you didn't hear it. Lord, thank you that I am not a Gentile, that I am not a slave, and that I am not a woman. Women were not on the same playing field with men. You see, Gentiles were a mistake in the Jews' eye. They were a mix of Jews and Samaritans. They were crossbreeds, and they were looked upon as scum of the earth. A slave is nothing more than a tool to be used. And a woman was nothing more than reproductive factories. It's all that you were. And that's the way that you were looked upon. They did not look at baptism as a way to change who you were and to bring you into a family. They looked at it as for you to do this so that we can count you into our numbers and bring you into our groups. There was no freedom there. And it really gets on my nerves whenever I look around and I see, and I've, I've prayed that God helped me with this too, but I, I see all these churches and they, they're so excited about spreading in uh, newspapers or whatever else it might be. If, you know, VBS comes around and, hey, 75 kids were saved, 75 were baptized, or 150 or whatever. That's, that's fine, well, and good. But I have gotten to a point sometimes where people begin to, these pastors and leaders and different folks, they, they do that just so that they can glow in the eyes of other people. And they say, hey, look at what we did. Look at what we did. Hey, we, we bust in a hundred kids. We told them that they were going to die and go to hell. And they started crying. And we brought them to the altar and prayed for them. And hallelujah, they're saved. I've had people come up to me before and say, you know, Brother Joe, I knelt down at the altar with a kid and the preacher looked at me. He said, hey, I think you got it. We're no more saved than the man in the moon. It's dangerous, guys. And that's what these, that's what these Judaizers were doing. They were trying to get their numbers up. They were trying to get them up. And that's why they were saying, hey, be baptized. Hey, be circumcised. Hey, follow this rule. Follow this regulation. Whatever it might be so that we can count you into our group. But you know what happened whenever, whenever the Gentile, the person that really had faith and they believed in Jesus Christ, they believed in the grace of God, and they walked down to that water and they said, I want to be baptized because there's a change in my life. There's something that's happened inside of me and I want everybody else to know about it. And Paul says, you are buried, baptized, buried with Christ, and risen to the newness of life. And everybody sees it. And that person comes up out of the water. And they know that there's no change in them. Because that change has already happened. It's already taken place. But they know that everybody that witnessed it. They see that they're serious. They've gone public with their faith. And now everybody knows. That there's a change in my life. Is there a change in your life? I want you to look at the very last. That scripture there. I think it's in verse number 28. Maybe, maybe verse number 27. Paul says this in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither no slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, whenever you step out on faith and you believe that Jesus is who He says you are, and you believe that He can do what He promised you that He would do, you become an adopted part of the family of God. You become not a stepchild, you become not a second-rate citizen, you become a child of God. 
Verse 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and you are heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Christ, then you're an heir united with God's people under the banner of God's grace. An heir means that there is an inheritance coming. There's an inheritance. And there's something greater than what you have now. And it's not based on who you are, what you do, what color you are, where you work, where you live, what kind of vehicle you drive. It's all about your faith in who Jesus Christ is. As our musicians come, you know, whenever I look at these scriptures and I think about what it's all about, and I, and I was, uh, a lot of times I'll sit and read scriptures and I'll read it multiple times and I just had my eyes closed one day and I was praying about this. And it was almost like there was this silhouette of a cross, kind of like what's on the board now. I like that. Leave that up there. But Jesus is hanging there. And then down around the bottom of it, it's just, it's all kinds of people. And I just want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want to see if you can see what the Lord helped me see. There it is, it's a cross, and Jesus is standing there. But here you are, kind of way off in the, in the background there, and you're looking, and in front of you, there's people from every tribe of the world, every nationality, every tongue. There's blacks, there's whites, there's reds, there's yellows, there's browns. Some of them have their hair braided. Some of them's got really short hair. Some's wearing glasses. There's one guy that's got tattoos up to his earlobes. And whenever God showed me that, He said, Joy, it doesn't matter who gathers here. Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's not stair-stepped. It's not pyramids. There's not one person that stands at the top. And what the Lord showed me is that when the ground is level at the foot of the cross, it's not just you and I who stand there. Jesus brought Himself down to that same level ground. And there He stands. There's people that have stood there right now. They're standing there. And they hate. They have hatred in their heart. They're mad about what somebody done. They're mad. They're hateful. Then you've got those who are questioning everything that's said. Is this preacher right? Is that one right? How do I interpret this? Is that church right? Is this religion the way to go? They're confused. But then there's other people that aren't worried about what's going on around them. They just fall down on their knees and they cry and they beg, hoping that what this man told them is true and that they can receive salvation. Can you see it? Do you see that? Where are you? Are you in the midst of that crowd? I found myself there more than once. I found myself in need of being able to go back to the foot of the cross on more than one occasion. Because the Lord points out problems in my life. It doesn't matter if you're already saved. Hallelujah, the Lord welcomes you. He welcomes you back. But you know what, guys? That guy that died on the cross, he only died there one time. And he said, it is finished. It's all done. He done it. 
My question for you this morning is, will you accept what he done? Father, we love you. And we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. I thank you, Lord, that I'm like Paul. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And I know, Lord, that sometimes I don't put off a very good character of who you are. I have flaws, but God, you are making me day by day into the image of who you want me to be. And I pray that every person here would understand that, that they can receive you into their life. And every single day that they live, they can be changed little by little. And you can make them into the people that you want them to be. Father, I'm asking you that you'll be so real today in the lives of these people that they would have absolutely no question about what has taken place. It will be sure in their hearts and in their minds that Jesus Christ is real and that He is making a difference in their life. Father, come and be here today. Work a miracle in someone's life today. If someone knows you as their Lord and Savior, but they've not followed through with baptism, help them to step out and say, you know, Brother Joy, I need to do that. I really need to do that. Give them, give them courage to be able to do that. Maybe there's someone here that's never accepted the grace of God. They've always thought about the rules and the regulations and how hard it is for it to be made and kept. But help them to realize that the grace of God is enough for them. It's enough for them. So come now in the way that only you can and work in the midst of these people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to stay right where you are. Just stay where you are. And just pray. If there's one of you, whoever, two of you, if you whoever, if you need to come to this altar, come. I will pray with you. You already see there's people that will pray around this altar with you. I don't want you to worry about singing. I want you to listen to what's being said. I want you to pay close attention to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. Don't elbow somebody else and say, hey, you know what? They need this. No. I need this. You need this. You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So let the Lord do His work in your heart today. Amen. Grace is found 
You're my hope and stay. Oh. 